from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Um, yeah, they're pretty smart, um, but we're still smarter. I really admire the work that the Conservation Department does during deer season with the Share the Harvest program where venison can be donated to food banks. Is that something that can happen with meat harvested from feral hogs? Let's reintroduce the gray wolf. Do you bury them? Is burying them a better idea? But I'm concerned about um, canines getting into those traps. I'm Sarah Fenske. Feral hogs are a huge problem for rural areas throughout the southern U.S., and that includes a large swath of Missouri. The USDA says more than 5 million feral hogs have taken up residence in 39 U.S. states, and they do considerable damage. The University of Georgia puts the number at $2.5 billion every year. Now, the good news is Missouri is making serious headway on its hog troubles. In fact, St. Louis Public Radio's Jonathan All reports that a combined state and federal effort is seeing big results that the Mark Twain National Forest has, quote, turned the corner on this problem. Jonathan is St. Louis Public Radio's Rolla Bureau Chief, and he joins us today to tell us more. Jonathan, welcome. Good to be here, Sarah. Thanks. And we're also joined today by Kevin Kreider. He works for the Missouri Department of Conservation as a feral hog trapper. Kevin, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. So, Kevin, I want to start with you. In general, how big a problem are these feral hogs? Well, they're quite uh, a problem for especially some of our landowners. Uh, We have a lot of private lands that are being damaged by these animals, and we're doing our best to uh, try to get in front of that and and curb that. What makes them so destructive? How are they causing this damage? Well, what happens is they do a lot of rooting behavior looking for food, and that ends up tearing up the topsoil. And if there are crops, obviously that's going to create damage. And they're also competing for food with other wildlife species as well. So we've got uh, basically a two-edged sword there with uh, not only the property damage for landowners, but then they're also competing for food with wildlife. Hmm. And Jonathan, they are not native to Missouri. Do we know what brought them here? Well, I mean, mostly what they've been doing is migrating uh, up from the south. And, um, you know, hogs in general are not native to the United States. They are something that came over here as part of, you know, the Colombian exchange, you know, way back when, when Europeans brought hogs over here. Mm. So feral hogs are essentially not that much different than the pigs that are grown on farms. It's just they're out in the wild and they're, you know, out there to, to try to survive on their own. So, you know, they, they have no predators. And, you know, I, I think one of the things, you know, we talk about rooting and we talk about the damage that, that they do. Um, I, I got to tell you, the first time I saw land that had been damaged by wild hogs, my first thought was there's no way an animal did this. Mm. I mean, it looked like something that must have been done by a machine, you know, because you can look at a swath of land that can be, you know, 50 yards wide looks like there were just metal tines dragged through it. It does not look like something that an animal could have done. But then when you see the video of uh, a sounder of hogs uh, and what they actually do, then it kind of starts to make sense. But the first time I was actually in front of that kind of land, I'm like, I, I, my first thought was this must have been a machine, not hmm. an animal that did it. That's the level of destruction that they can do. Kevin, have you seen um, scenes like that where you've come across an area where they've been rooting and, and just decimated it? 
Yes. Uh, one of the most recent ones I can think about is uh, one of the golf courses in our local area here that had been um, damaged by a sounder of hogs. And it looked exactly like what Jonathan had described, like an actual tractor had gone through with a disc or a plow and plowed up the dirt. So it, it looked pretty significant. So when they're causing this damage, I, I hear you both using this phrase, sounder of hogs, which I love. Kevin, are, are they running around in packs? Yeah, it's just the uh, term we use for a group of uh, hogs that are together. They're very social animals, and they travel in groups. And it, it can be a family group and other family groups that come together, but it is a group of hogs. And so, Jonathan, are these, these hogs, I, I've always been told that pigs are a very smart farm animal. Are these feral hogs pretty intelligent? I mean, from everything that I understand, yes, they can be very intelligent. Um, they, uh, they know uh, how to evade people. They know how to evade. Uh, some of the smarter ones have even been able to evade traps, usually not. Uh, it's, it's rare for, and, and, and Kevin's obviously much more the expert on me, and he should correct me if I'm wrong, but it's very unusual for a sounder to be able to evade a trap, but like a single boar that's running out there, some of those suckers can be really bright and can figure out how to run uh, quietly and alone and, and avoid traps and those kinds of things. Um, yeah, they're pretty smart, um, but we're still smarter. <laughs> I like that. That gives me a little bit of hope here. Kevin, does that track with your experience? They're smart, but, but you're smarter. Yes, it does. Uh, I'll give an example. Uh, one of my trap sites recently had a, a boar that I watched on camera several days come into the bait, the bait site at the trap, and um, he avoided the trigger hmm. of the trap mechanism. Uh, but like Jonathan said, until he fouled up and made a mistake because I actually kept changing the way the trigger was camouflaged and eventually he did trigger it and was caught. So uh, that is very true, but uh, we just have to be smarter than they are. So that's <laughs> very truthful. Well, we're curious to hear um, if feral hogs have been a problem for you in your life. We're going to open up our phone lines here. If you've encountered this kind of damage or you've had to deal with them, or maybe you just have a question for the two experts we have here today, we're at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air, and you can join this conversation. So, Jonathan, part of why we're talking about this today is that both the state and federal government have put some serious resources into this effort. And, and Kevin is part of that. We're going to talk about his journey into becoming a feral hog trapper in just a moment. But, but Jonathan, give us the bigger picture. What are they doing to try to address this problem? Well, the, the thing that really struck me was that Kevin is one of 38 people who their full-time job in Missouri is eliminating feral hogs. Wow. And, and that seems like a lot of people, but it is a pretty big problem. You know, there are tens of thousands of feral hogs in Missouri right now. Um, and while that is a lot fewer than in Arkansas and Oklahoma, some of our bordering states that have a much bigger problem than Missouri does, and a lot of those hogs end up, you know, un unfortunately, hogs are very bad at minding uh, state lines, so they just cross them and with no regard at all <laughs> to the state line. But, you know, they... they, they um, it is a big problem, and it does require a lot of people uh, to to, uh, to do it. And, you know, really, I think that what my reporting was really focused on was in the last two years, uh, the, uh, the efforts in the Mark Twain National Forest, which is probably, you know, the biggest single piece of land that you can talk about, even though the forest is many, many different pieces of land, but they can track their land very, very closely. And the amount of feral hogs that they have been able to eliminate over the last two years shot up 
into this incredible amount where they're they're able to take you know six thousand or so in a year without you know uh, and 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 they can really do that. And then the other thing that they're finding is that they're getting fewer complaints from landowners. Mm. Um, there are fewer sightings of them. Um, you know, I I don't. I don't think that anyone's ready to say that the problem is solved because I don't think you'll ever solve it, but it's really close to being controlled. Hmm. So that, that, and that's something that states like Arkansas and Oklahoma just haven't been able to do. Um, I'm part of the Harvest Public Media Reporting Collaborative, and my colleague over in Oklahoma has uh, done a lot of uh, reporting on feral hogs, and I was talking to him this morning, and he said, yeah, Oklahoma wishes they had it as good as Missouri. Wow. Well, it's nice to see Missouri leading the way on something. And, and Kevin, you are a part of this. You were hired last summer as part of this effort. What made you want to become a feral hog trapper? I had been living out of state for my career, and after retirement, wanted to come back to the Ozarks, and I wanted to work in natural resources in some form or fashion, and I've been watching uh, different websites for different agencies and saw this come open and thought, that sounds really interesting, and wanted to find a way to actually be a part of the solution and be able to help uh, contribute to folks getting this damage uh, on their property, get that reduced, if not stopped. Hmm. So I went ahead and applied and was fortunate enough and humbled enough to get selected for the position. So here I am. So you moved back to Missouri. You're originally from Shannon County, but you're now stationed there. You have sort of three counties that you work within. Is that right? Yes. I currently cover uh, part of Dent, Crawford, uh, and Iron, and a little bit of Reynolds. So three or four counties that I'm kind of touching right now. And is that largely the national forest there in the, in your zones? You know, I cover national forests, but I've also got several landowners I'm working with, uh, primarily Crawford County for the landowners, but I do have a couple in, in uh, southern Dent County as well that I work with. And so tell us how this works, like on an average day, a typical day, um, what are you doing as, as you go out and try to help Missouri tackle this problem? Yeah, uh, there's a couple of different things that we do. Uh, obviously, landowners are kind of a priority. We want to make sure we get those uh, hogs off landowner properties as quickly as we can and, and get that damage stopped. So, like for today, I've got a, a couple of traps I have to check or had to check. And and if I'm not busy with tra- traps themselves, then I'm obviously out looking for a sign of hogs and doing uh, what we call systematic baiting. So we're putting out bait um, on the landscape to try to locate other hogs that are out there. So, like, for example check a couple of traps and then go out in the, the national forest and put out uh, bait sites essentially and see if I can get hogs to come to that bait uh, on the landscape. And if I locate hogs in the landscape, then of course get a camera out, see many are out there. If I can get them coming in the bait regularly, then I'll put a trap up and try to get those removed as quickly as possible. And so you put the trap up. How does this trap then work when they are triggering it? Yeah, it's a, uh, a gravity trap. It's about 20 feet in diameter, so we have panels that are put together, and then there's a center pole that they are basically attached to with support arms, and it's just raised up with a cable, and then the weight of the trap is uh, attached to a trigger, and when that trigger is actually uh, set off and the trap falls with the assistance of gravity and just comes down around the, the hogs. And then when the hog is trapped, Kevin, um, what happens to him after that? Correct. Yeah, we actually go in and destroy the, the animals and remove them from the trap after they're destroyed with a rifle or a shotgun and uh, just get them moved off out of, away from the trap area into the forest somewhere away from any kind of bodies of water or any drainages. We want to make sure we don't have any kind of a carcass next to any kind of water drainage or where it could get into water. 
We're talking today to Kevin Kreider. He works for the Missouri Department of Conservation as a feral hog trapper, helping the state get control of this really big problem. We're also joined by Jonathan All. He's the Rolla correspondent for St. Louis Public Radio. We have a lot of callers here um, that have questions, and we do want to let you know our phone lines are open. We're at 314-382-8255. Again, that's 382-TALK if you want to join this conversation. Um, I want to go to Jay, who's calling from Normandy. Jay, hi, you're on St. Louis on the Air. Yes, hi, uh, gentlemen. Um, I'm all for uh, taking out these um, these hogs that are they're causing you all problems. I get it, but I'm concerned about um, canines getting into those traps. Uh, very concerned about you know canines of both domestic and mm-hmm. and wild canines. Also, you all said that no uh, predators can take these guys on these hogs. Let's reintroduce the gray wolf. <laughs> that seems like the perfect solution to me. We need to have more wolves. Well, Jay, thank you for your thoughts on this. Um, first, I'm going to ask Kevin to address this idea of could these traps be a problem for dogs? Uh, Kevin, is that potentially a concern? Well, that's a unique uh, question. I honestly have never encountered any canines triggering a trap in my experience. I have, have not heard of that in our area, southern Missouri, of a canine getting caught in one of our hog traps. Uh, the baiting system we use, obviously, is a, it's a vegetable-based system you know typically it's corn so uh, i have not even seen really even a coyote enter one of our traps so i i guess from my experience i would have to say no that's not really a concern at this point we do have to sometimes watch for you know deer getting in in a trap but not not a canine per se and if a deer gets in the trap is that something where you can let the deer out unharmed or how do you handle that yeah, we uh, t- what we typically do is we carry a drill with us, and we use uh, hose clamps to connect the panels. So I just get the three hose clamps off the panels and open it up and then go to the other side of the trap, and normally the deer will just run out of it. And that's not to say that we never have um, unsuccessful uh, deer rescues when it comes to a trap. Sometimes we can have a deer fatality in a trap uh, where they're just trying to get out of it. So that, that does occasionally happen, but in my experience, I've only seen that happen one time for myself. Okay. Well, that's that's really good to hear, and it's good to hear the dogs haven't been an issue for you. Jonathan, I, I want to take this idea that Jay, um, our caller, had about why don't we reintroduce a predator to Missouri, something like the gray wolf. I understand this is a really complex question. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, just that uh, that any time that kind of thing is brought up, uh, people who are much smarter than I am, who have degrees in ecology and biology and wildlife sciences, um, really like to pump the brakes on that idea. Um, I think, you know, there's that old story is that, uh, you know, if you're overrun with... Uh, you know, mice, you get owls to hunt the mice, and then you're overrun with owls, and, you know, and then mm-hmm. it just keeps going and going. So um, I think that ecosystems are incredibly complicated, and I think that any uh, anything that seems like a simple solution in an ecosystem ends up bringing in uh, much more things to consider that might make it worse. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that uh, it's, it's certainly an interesting idea, but in my experience in covering conservation and wildlife issues, I'd say that, that, that it's probably a lot more complicated than, than one would think. Yeah, that, that does seem like a fair bet, man. That law of unintended consequences is always a problem. I, uh, I would have to just inter- interject there, too, and agree with Jonathan 100%. I worked in Yellowstone and Rocky Mountain National Parks as well in my past, and uh, that's one of the things that we always had to manage with the National Park Service was 
what we're bringing into our ecosystems and how that's going to affect things. So it's something that has to be looked at from a lot of different angles if that was ever going to be considered. So obviously there's a lot to it, but like Jonathan touched on. That's uh, Kevin, that's great perspective. How, how fortunate that we have a guest who has dealt with that same issue before. I want to go back to the phone lines. Jean is calling from St. Louis. Uh, Jean, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air. Hi. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I really admire the work that the Conservation Department does during deer season with the Share the Harvest program where venison can be donated to food banks. Is that something that can happen with meat harvested from feral hogs? Boy, Gene, that's a great question. I have a feeling Jonathan All might know the answer to that. Actually, I did reporting on that is that um, that there that uh, in the last round they did there was a bill introduced that would allow um, feral hog hunt uh, pr- uh, takes to be uh, donated to share the harvest. Um, and, you know, the, the, the response from processors was incredibly mixed. Some processors don't want to have anything to do with feral hogs. Some processors say the only difference between a feral hog and one on a farm is what side of the fence they're on, and hmm. they both taste like bacon. Um, I, the, the official uh, recommendation from state and federal authorities is eating feral hogs is a bad idea. Um, that's mostly based on the fact that they just don't know what kind of disease could be running through them, mm. um, and they, they could be that could be a big problem. Um, I do know that 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 has been something that has been uh, considered and, and and maybe even done a little bit, um, but I'd say that that especially in a unrelated issue, processors have been so overwhelmed since COVID has happened that I doubt that they are taking in much meat to be processed uh, for share of the harvest Hmm. um, outside of anything that they're routinely comfortable with Uh, and sticking with deer, which is something they've done for decades, um, is probably what they're sticking with. Um, But I don't don't know if Kevin has any um, additional information on that. But uh, again, I want to make it very clear. The official recommendation from state and federal authorities are don't eat feral hog meat. (laughs) Interesting. Kevin, have you had any experience with this idea of, you know, maybe let's try to save this carcass rather than dumping it in the woods? You know, that's a great uh, question, and I have to say that the official perspective on this is kind of what Jonathan alluded to, is that uh, we do not recommend um, eating the the feral hogs. Now, obviously, private landowners that take feral hogs on their property or that we actually trap them, they have that option uh, privately for them, Mm. but we don't, uh, on public ground, like if I set a trap on public ground, there's not even an option for for any of that to happen, so... Mm. Um, as far as share of the harvest is concerned, again, our uh, our official stance on that is that we do not recommend it. I mean, brucellosis is one of the things we worry about with feral hogs as well as leftovers. And sorry, uh, Kevin, can I cut in there? What is the, the name of, of what you said you worry about with feral hogs? Brucellosis is uh, transmittable to humans. Uh, oh. I don't have a, a lot of details to speak on it other than it's transmissible and it's a, it can uh, infect your lung. And there's a, definitely we don't want anybody to catch something like that. And we have to be very careful ourselves when we're handling the, the, these wild hogs after they've been, they've been destroyed. So we just want to be careful about that. And if someone were to consume that, obviously, you know, may or may not be a risk. But our stance is that we don't recommend that folks uh, take feral swine and process those. But uh, mm-hmm. sometimes folks or private landowners will process their own stuff. Well, that uh, well, speak, boy, that does sound scary. Bruce, Jonathan? Speaking of brucellosis, though, um, that is uh, another thing that is a huge threat of feral swine that doesn't get talked about a lot is that, um, you know, if a feral swine gets into a domesticated 
uh, group of hogs that are, you know, being bred for meat, um, they can spread disease into those uh, colonies quite quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and that has been something that has happened on, on some isolated occasions. It's another one of the threats of feral hogs out there is that if one of them were to get into a farmer's livestock and, and, and interact with uh, those pigs, that could be another huge problem. Mm -hmm. Well, that is, boy, yet another reason we should be grateful for the work Kevin is doing out there. Let's go back to the phone lines. Anne is calling from St. Charles. Um, Anne, Hi, you're on St. Louis on the Air. Hi, hi. How are you guys today? Yeah, thank you for joining us. What's your question? Um, after you kill a hog and you drag it into the woods, you know, you said that you're not putting it in, like, by water sources and things like that. Number one, how do you deadlift a 200-pound hog and drag it into the woods? And number two, when they start to decompose, they're really going to smell. Mm. And uh, what... Uh, you know, do you bury them? Is burying them a better idea? You might not have the equipment to do that, but how do you drag a, a dead pig or pigs far enough away from people? Yeah, and that, those are some great questions there. Kevin, I'd love to hear, how do you guys handle that part of things? Yeah, that's a great question. I work out a lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, just kidding. Uh, in all seriousness, though, uh, we utilize UTVs a lot. So I've got a UTV I take with me daily into uh, landowner properties and the forest. So if I have a trap that has pigs in it and I destroy those, and if there are any large ones in there, I simply just hook a chain to the UTV and drag it away from the trap site. And once I get it away from the trap site to a safer location where it can decompose, it's amazing how quickly nature runs its course. So I had a large boar that was destroyed recently. I drug him a few hundred yards from the trap site into the forest and left him there. Went by there the next day, and he was gone. So wow. uh, other other animals will eat those carcasses like coyotes, bears, uh, things like that. And something had come in there, most likely a bear, and drug that carcass off and, and used it for dinner. Wow. So, uh, Nature takes its course pretty quickly. I had another situation not too long ago where I actually had a, a, a sounder of probably five or six pigs that I had destroyed and put them in a location away from the trap and went back and checked on them. Every one of them was gone. So uh, Mother Nature takes care of it. So that's probably the best answer I have for you on that. As far as the smell, again, uh, I could slightly smell that odor, so his carcass was probably somewhere nearby, but burying an animal like that would not be efficient because the other scavengers in the woods, such as a coyote or a bear, are just going to dig it back up anyway and eat it because they're going to find it through the odor. So that wouldn't be effective to bury them. So uh, Mother Nature just takes care of it, and the animals use it as uh, food to survive with. Hmm. Kevin, that makes sense. Thank you, Anne, for those great questions. Um, Kevin, also the idea of burial, I'm thinking you guys deal with so many hogs. I mean, do you have a sense of, of you and your team? I guess there's six people on the Department of Conservation team. Just how many hogs you've killed in this past year? Or I know you prefer the term trapped. Um, how many yeah. hogs have been trapped? Yeah, we've uh, trapped over 12,000 in 2020, and then back in 2019, I think it was a little over 10,000. So uh, it's been significant uh, numbers that we've had over the last couple of years. Hmm. So we had another caller. He um, was happy to take his question off the air, but he raises an interesting issue that I did want to touch on briefly with you, Jonathan. And this is John from Edwardsville, says that he's heard of hunters transporting hogs to particular areas to hunt them, that this is part of maybe what's causing their spread. Uh, what can you tell us about that, Jonathan? 
Well, the answer is yes, mm -hmm. that happens. Um, private landowners do release wild hogs. Um, a quick internet search can give you a number of opportunities where you can go in the Ozarks and sign up for a hunting package and go out and hunt f uh, feral hogs. Um, that is legal on private land. Um, and does it add to the problem? Absolutely it does. Is it a huge cause of the problem? Eh, probably not, because you got to mm. remember that we, we border states that have a much bigger feral hog problem. So I think that, that the number of feral hogs coming in from Arkansas and Oklahoma, um, actually Texas is the state that has it worse, and you know a lot of those hogs go through those two states uh, to get to us. I think those are a much bigger problem. You know, private feral hog hunts, it isn't helping, but it is legal and people are allowed to do with on their own private land what they would like to do and they're able to do that. Um, I, you know, another thing that, that is adding to the problem is every once in a while you'll see a domesticated pig kind of that was liberated from <laughs> a farm that will be in with a sounder and, you know, and they, there's a lot of cross mating that happens on these pigs that are just kind of let run and they join, you know, their instincts kick in pretty quickly <laughs> and they join their, their own kind. So that's another problem. But I don't know that those are like the, if, if that stopped happening, I don't think that would stop the feral hog problem at all. So, Jonathan, that leads to an ancillary issue that, again, I just want to briefly touch on here. When I started looking into this piece for our conversation today, I kind of thought I might, you know, see animal lovers who object to what the state of Missouri is up to. I didn't find that at all. What I found is that hunters are not happy about what the state yep. of Missouri is up to. Can, can you encapsulate the controversy on that? Well, the controversy is that it is illegal um, to hunt uh, feral hogs on public land. So, you know, you can't go into a Department of Conservation land or a national forest and, and kill feral hogs. And in a lot of hunters' minds, they think that that's antithetical because they're like, you've got too many of these. I want to kill them. Let me come and kill them. And for a lot of people, I suppose that makes sense. Um, what I would add to the discussion, though, is Controlling an animal population has a completely different set of things going on than if you are an individual hunting them. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, first of all, most of the feral hogs that are taken um, are done by trapping, like Kevin has said. Um, but even those that are taken in by means other than trapping, um, it is done with a heck of a lot of coordination and a heck of a lot of technology. And an individual hunter um, who's tracking a, a boar, maybe pushing that boar deeper into the forest where they're going to be harder to find and not being effective. The other thing that I just point out, and this is with all due respect to hunters, hunters tend to believe that they're really, really, really good at what they do. And they're not, um, or at least they. Oh, Jonathan, they, they, you are going to set up well, such a controversy here. <laughs> that's okay. I I will tell you that that I would trust Kevin much more um, with his hunting and trapping prowess than I would someone who does it, you know, several weekends a month. Mm. And it's just again, 
con taking an animal for sport is a completely different thing than controlling an enormous population. And, and, and so that's why they made the decision that they did. But of course, a lot of hunters are very angry about it. And I've talked to several that have said, you know, you let me loosen that forest and I'll bring you more carcasses than you know what to do with. I don't know if that's actually accurate. Yeah. Well, fair to say, if you're a hunter listening to this and you're offended by Jonathan's comments, he's not talking about you. He's just talking about the average hunter. You know, there's, <laughs> exactly. there's some that are not as good. Kevin, in our final minute here, I want to bring it back to you um, first, because I, I do find your job just so fascinating. But I also want to mention you're doing all this work with trapping. There's also a couple other things the state and, and the feds are doing in order to hunt these feral hogs, including sometimes aerial missions. And I know this is not part of what you do, but if you could just get us up to speed on on how that fits into the work that you do. Sure, yeah. The aerial operation currently is uh, done through the USDA and their APHIS Wildlife Services Division. And what that essentially means without speaking for them, but that's essentially what I'm doing, is that they actually go out with uh, rotary wing aircraft, helicopters, and during the winter months, they actually go out and fly missions low level looking for feral hogs on the landscape and actually uh, shooting them from the air. Hmm. And it's been very successful. They've they put up very good numbers on uh, destroying feral hogs from the air. But that's a federal mission. That's USDA currently, and they're the ones that are doing that mission. But uh, they do operate aerial operations to eliminate hogs. So that's another form that we have been pretty successful in getting uh, hogs off the landscape. Hmm. Well, it's so exciting to hear about these efforts and that Missouri's actually leading the way. So uh, Kevin Kreider, a feral hog trapper for the Missouri Department of Conservation, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. And St. Louis Public Radio Rolla correspondent Jonathan All, thank you. My pleasure, Sarah. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.